0: Hello. Today we're speaking with Grant McDowell, co-founder and head of commercialization and strategy at Inossi. Welcome to the podcast, Grant. Thanks very much, James. Great to be here. Brilliant. I suppose to start with. Can you tell us a little bit about Innossi?
1: Well, ENOSI is a um, an energy trading platform, um, traceability platform, in fact. What we we do in principle, in essence, is match the, the solar farm and the wind farm energy with the household consumption. And we do that by measuring the Generation that's coming from a solar or wind farm meter, and and then match that with the meter at the household or business, and in doing that, simple matching and traceability, we can unlock source, time, and price. Um, so the a small, small, uh, essentially accounting exercise, but because that. Counting exercises is allowing us to see where the energy is coming from at a specific time. And um, what PowerTracer does is add price onto that layer. Um, there's an enormous amount of value created. And so yeah, uh, that's what that's what Power Tracer does.
0: And what drove the initial decision to start in Well,
1: the the um, the initial decision for me uh, was a, uh, I've been on this kind of personal quest for a long time. In fact, I had this idea in 2007. So, you know, almost 15 years ago, where I, I was living in, a, uh, in Sydney in Australia and, and had um, a, a, a lots of trees covering my roof. And I was frustrated by not being able to put solar on the roof. So, it worked out that if you put solar in a solar farm and match that to the meter of the house, there, there would be this economies of scale and access to clean energy and that simple idea uh, sent me on this path to join the industry to get an innovation patent um, which which I then went out and, and, and uh, learned about the industry uh, but I was way way too early so uh, what I ended up having to do was to join the industry join the solar industry in, in, in residential solar and then in commercial solar and over that interim period, um, came to meet the team three years ago, who had started out uh, doing energy traceability on an OSI, and uh, joined as a co-founder. So, we business has been running three years, um, and and uh, primarily here in Australia, but we're starting to 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 look abroad. We've got a retailer we're working with in Singapore. We're doing some work in South Africa and and the UK. So. It's um, you know we, we're creating a strong foundation with retailers here in, in Australia, with the view to take our tech global.
0: And what change in those nearly fifteen years that made you know this idea you know ripe today versus uh, versus like over a decade ago?
1: So the, the biggest change is the cost of solar, to be honest, and and wind. But the cost trajectory of solar just has unlocked an enormous amount of value. The Nobody, is, and as I'm sure most of your your listeners would be aware, nobody had got any of the predictions right, right around how that cost trajectory was just going to be, you know, a steep, steep curve downward, um, and uh, that's what's unlocked the value. So, so when I came into the industry, it was very expensive, cost you know, sixty or seventy thousand dollars to put something on the roof. It now costs three thousand dollars to put solar on the roof, same size. <laughs> so, you know, that that right. um, uh, an incredible, certainly in Australia, we've seen Australia leads the world in rooftop installations. We have over three million rooftop installations. And when I first joined the industry, there was fifty megawatts of solar installed across Australia. We now have twenty three and a half gigawatts of solar installed um, across that fifteen year period. So. Uh, yeah, very. Um, uh, so price is the big, big driver, big change, and and where the unlock unlock the value. And and as Matt Campbell said on your podcast in an earlier episode, it's this next trajectory of price, which we're still in a steep decline, to bring one cent per kilowatt hour solar utility solar to the market, which is which is what we're really excited about because that will then unlock the, the next stage of making battery storage hydrogen and other applications of energy um, possible. So uh, yeah, the, the, the cost trajectory continues down yeah,
0: absolutely. The, the level of excitement uh, for all the, the enablement of those different uh, kind of industries that you mentioned, uh, you know, there's a lot of people with uh, running around with pitch decks right now for those industries, and every one of those are, have a incredibly cheap, uh, renewable energy as part of like a necessary risk factor for them to actually, you know, reach their kind of larger vision. Um, and so yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it is, everyone got it wrong, thankfully, because it's been obviously way better than anybody predicted. And, you know, long may it continue because it does unlock all this other value.
1: Yes, that's right. And, and I, you know, I think offshore wind is the next frontier. And we'll be seeing huge, huge uh, value brought and, and, and again, downward cost trajectory. The interesting thing about the work that we're seeing in this next frontier. So this, this first um, period that I, you know, that, that we've been, i've been witness to over the last 15 years is to to prove out that renewable energy is going to be the next um you know the our, our next base low power if you like um and that moving off fossil fuels is possible and i think we've proven that the, the 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 next 10 years are critical though in that we need the diversity it's not it's not just about simply rolling up more wind and solar only um uh, we need the diversity in the mix to create that firming when the wind's not blowing and the sun's not shining so power tracer and and the work we're doing with 24/7 carbon free energy um, uh, is is that next stage is that next phase in in, in development in the, in, the, in the tech and the industry
0: and so let's say I become a customer of an OC uh, I, I start to use your power tracer platform you know what, what does that experience look like what is my onboarding um, you know what, what is the entire process like
1: so what we do is we um, we're a software layer that that uh, the different retailers in Australia and you know our retailers will partnerships will work with globally will have within their billing systems. So we're 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 not a retailer. We're just a layer of software, essentially an accounting layer of software. Um, and so if you would if you lived in Australia and you wanted to sign up to to uh, um, PowerTracer. You could do through do that uh, through our five electricity partners, through energy locals, or simply energy, or, or some of the others, and and essentially you can gain access to a uh, utility scale profile, um, or indeed you can you can do peer to peer trading with people who have rooftop solar installed. So um, those things sound you know quite straightforward, but but what they do is unlock enormous opportunity because we're seeing variations on that theme uh, where a big tech firm in Sydney is about to launch a staff program where they have a power purchase agreement from two solar farms uh, here in New South Wales and they're extending that power purchase agreement through to their staff working from home in the pandemic people have started to work from home of course and and, and what what power tracer is enabling is for those that, that are to have a staff energy program so those, that those team members can get access to that clean energy um, uh, during the day. So it's from the solar profile. And in fact, that tech company is going to pay um, for that energy through the year. Um, so not a huge cost-impost on them. They get the scope three benefits. Uh, the team get to sign up to a collective sustainability action and, and so small change but but you know I think a, a real um, innovation in the way uh, energy is being being uh, consumed uh, here in australia
0: and I guess if I think about
1: you know what I, how I think about um, the
0: way people are selling renewable energy to uh, customers to consumers to commercial entities today they'll say look uh, you could buy a or go into a power purchase agreement if you're a commercial entity with a solar farm and you'll buy a certain amount of electricity from that solar farm a solar farm could be in a different state across the country um, and the odds of the actual electrons being produced by that solar farm getting to your actual business are pretty slim. And so there does seem to be this kind of great difficulty in saying, you know, if I, if I'm buying renewable energy, like, is that actually renewable energy that's getting to me and how do I kind of trace all that? Um, I guess, how is your, you know, how is Power Tracer kind of changing that kind of status quo?
1: Well, what Power Tracer is doing is, is um, uh, measuring the source, at that, in that half hour trading period, Australia now has five minute trading period, but, but, but uh, the resi meters are still half hour. So in that half hour trading period, we're seeing how many megawatt hours are coming out onto the grid. And then we're seeing how much energy is being consumed in that half hour period by the household and power traces matching that out within that half hour period at a particular price. So again, in Australia, we we the utility s- solar is cheaper than the firming price, and so we're able to offer clean energy cheaper than firming um, because we're able to bifurcate the price for the first time. So traditional retail is a kilowatt hour is a kilowatt hour is just a grid mix, and you might have time of use, which gives you some variation in the price, but it's never related to the source of the energy, and and this is classic. You know, measure and manage as soon as you're able to measure that source and match them through what you're consuming and then we've done the modeling on this across 9000 households, households um, historically here in 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 sydney and when we match that to a solar farm it comes in around around 40% of the of the consumption and when we add a wind profile on top of that that comes into 76 77% of that profile so we call that a path to true zero so instead of just having 100 percent renewables and buy the certificates what power tracer enables you to do is to buy cheaper energy because the solar is cheaper and the, and the wind is slightly cheaper so we've got cheaper clean energy that's 76 77 percent of your load and then for the balance of that um, load of 20 Two or twenty-three percent, you can buy certificates and be one hundred percent renewable. So it's complementary to the certificate market, um, but most importantly, you're able to see where that energy is coming from. And now add our second solar farm, a uh, second wind farm, but you might only then get into the early eighty percentile. And then the incentive is, well, I'd like to pay a bat- uh, you know, have battery storage, and you're prepared to pay now above the firming rate because you're into these higher percentages. And what's happening is that. The humble consumer is driving the, the the mix, driving this diversity in the generation mix because the battery then has is is, is as, as clean energy from the solar stored during the day and then used in the evening, um, and we 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 get you on this path to to true zero, which which is aligns perfectly with what Google are trying to do with the the twenty four seven carbon free energy, uh, compact with the United Nations. And recently, we and OC was invited to to COP twenty six to to give um, the first foundation meeting for the UN Carbon Free Energy Compact. Very exciting. Stephen Steve uh, Hoy, our CEO, and I went, and um, we think that this next um, you know innovation, in, which has been driven by the big tech companies, what PowerTrace is doing is is expanding that that accessibility to just general business but then right down to the household where where we, where everyone can be on the same path essentially towards true zero and unlock the value because the choices will drive the, the clean energy uptake and then those higher percentiles will be driven by the diversity and, and people will be, will be prepared to pay that little bit extra.
0: That's, yeah, I, I love a lot of that. Um, I, I like all of it. But I think what's really interesting is moving uh, the standards piece, right? Because generally, um, standards are adopted by players that fit their existing uh, the existing status quo in some way, right? So we'll say, you know, it, it's easy for us to supply energy in this particular way. Um, what's the cleanest way we can kind of, you know, put move some things together to make it look like it's, it's, it's a kind of carbon zero energy mix Um, And let's do that. And it's not the worst idea in the world, right? It's the first chapter. It's the first version. That makes a ton of sense. But actually, shining a light on it and saying, hey, um, there is this gap. And the way you can fill that gap is through some sort of transparent purchase. And that could be carbon offset credits, as you mentioned, or that could be... you know, actually investing in high, more expensive energy, uh, you know, battery storage that might be more expensive in a given time of day and all that kind of thing. I think that's that's really interesting because what it also gives is a signal to the kind of entrepreneurs and the product developers of the world to say, oh, you know, where what's the next layer in that kind of in that slice that sure. we should be building towards. You know,
1: but more importantly, it, it uh, to echo that it. It unlocks the op- the, a new understanding for the retailers because in Australia, the, we have gen so they, they generate and retail electricity. And and, and what, what Power Tracer is doing is showing for the first time, to the, you know, demonstrating to the retailers that the customers um, are will buy these products and that they can build these products with a customer base behind them. And so... You know, in the past, they've had to just build the assets and under- and and use this idea of the energy trading as a as a big amorphous blob of energy. Essentially, we call this the, the energy lake um, that that the, that energy retailers are buying and selling into, and and now traceability unlocks this visibility of where the where the energy is coming into the lake um, and where it's going out the lake. <laughs> And, and then paying for that directly and 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 through the, the payment we're able to track and, and drive the, and show incentive to the market that you know more solar and wind is 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 needed and there's a, there's an appetite and market for it. but then the diversity mix as as people are on this true zero ambition will be people, people will be prepared to pay for it as we use battery storage and and, and hopefully hydrogen. Storage down the track to, to then, um, uh, complement these very tough parts of the, this, the small percentages at the top end that will be harder and harder. And we need to create a market for that. And we believe that, that, um, you know, this, this 24 seven carbon free energy is the, is the foundation to unlocking that. And, um, you know, our, our expression for is true zero because that's much more consumer friendly. Uh um, sure. and easy to, to understand and we've had great reception to the idea of true zero and, and, and people being um you know wanting to sign up for that because it, it makes sense. If we can take the heavy lifting out of the equation and make it simple and cheaper, then why wouldn't you sign up for something that's cleaner and cheaper and and and, and has you on a path of sustainability over time? So it can complement the existing infrastructure with certificates. We're not we're not saying don't buy the certificates. We're just saying that that there is a, um, you know, a, a grid 2.0 here and and this unlocks an enormous amount of value to move fossil fuels out of the, the grid mix and keep the lights on.
0: That's fascinating. And I suppose that kind of leads me to think about uh, things like monetization, right? Because within all these different systems... Uh, how these things are monetized, uh, you know, has a direct effect on the incentives, right, to kind of push to something like true zero. How are you thinking about monetization? What's the kind of model of it today?
1: Well, the monetization um, for for everyone in the ecosystem works, I think, particularly well because, as we've said, the solar trajectory um, is, you know, that that continues to go down, and and so that's price that those prices can be reflected um, back to the customer. But the margins are still there for for the retailers, so they're not out of pocket. Um, the you know fr- from our point of view, the, re- the the cost of energy is going down. Therefore, the electricity consumer should pay less, and we've seen this in Australia. You know, the the, the everyone always said we'll always pay a premium for renewable energy, and as it's turned out. Um, uh, Clean energy certainly in South Australia has brought the prices down, and across the rest of the country brought the prices down. So we, you know, we've hit peak pricing in Australia, We're on the downward trajectory of that now, um, and and that's um, again lock, unlocks the value for the general consumer. Um, and then our tech, you know, in terms of the cost, we're a SaaS play, so software as a service, and we only charge the householder two dollars fifty a month to to use PowerTracer, and that's done through the retailer. So it's such a small number that the retailers are absorbing that figure anyway. So it's a it's a it's a really good news story if we can get this right to bring down the cost of energy um, and and to keep the reliability there and move fossil fuels out in, in an accelerated way. So we, we we think it has great potential.
0: No, absolutely, that, that, that's fascinating, and yeah, that definitely kind of aligns and makes some sense to me. You also mentioned this ability to uh, you know for a consumer to basically trade energy with a specific source in some way. Um, that's kind of fascinating to me. like who who's I guess like a typical profile of somebody who might do that on your platform?
1: Sure. so we have um, uh, layers of trading on on the platform and and our peer-to-peer layer is just two options. Um, somebody can. Go onto the Power Tracer platform and set their own price for the solar energy that they're exporting out onto the grid. So you don't need to go through your retailer to have that conversation. And you set up a trading partner. So if I want to sell my electricity to a family member, I can sell it to my sister-in-law mm-hmm. um, and I can offer a zero price for energy for just the the energy part. So so in that in that stack, we have the energy sta- energy cost. The poles and wires cost, the Enviro costs, and the retail margin, and all we really, all PowerTrace is doing is calculating the energy only part of that stack each time, and comparing that to either the feed-in tariff or, or the standard uh, price from the retailer. So, in this case, my sister-in-law would would pay um, would have a saving of around eight cents per kilowatt hour if I was selling that electricity. That's um, uh, if I had a trade of zero cents on PowerTracer. Her, I could also send it to an uncle of mine, who's got lots of money, so he's prepared to pay more. So, so you know, um, an uncle would pay potentially you know, ten cents per kilowatt hour. So on PowerTrace, you're able to to go onto the platform and then and then set your own set an invitation and an offer to to trade directly with those trading partners that you may know. And, and that, that, you know, that's a, it's a feature to be honest, peer to peer trading is a, it's a great feature, but it's not where the action is. It's, it's, it, you know, people aren't that interested in energy. I always say that, you know, there's this tiny space in our mind where we, we prepare to look at energy for about, um, you know, I think if, I think the average is about 10, 10 minutes a year and the rest of the time is on Netflix. Right. So, so, you know, we have to keep. We have to always, as energy people, be aware that the punter really um, or the customer isn't that engaged, and we have to make it simple, accessible, and, 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 and as cost-effective as possible because it's a commodity. People are, 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 are far prepared to pay less for energy than they are to pay a premium for green. So, so that's the kind of ethos behind it. The last thing I'll mention in the trading, uh, the next trading layer, is the, is the community trading option. Where if both in this case my sister-in-law my uncle haven't consumed all the excess energy I'm sending out onto the grid, I can I can offer that into the community pool and and, and that uh, allows anyone in my community pool to match out that electricity in the way it's a very kind of Australian al- algorithm we, we, um, we match out the, 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 the person offering the, the, the lowest price matches out with the person, um, who's prepared to uh, offer the the the, the, uh, the highest buy price, and so the 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 mat, the, the, al- the algorithm works out where the lowest and the highest match out, and then it runs all the way through to the centre, and and it's naturally a very equitable way of of um, uh, matching out all those trades across the community. So we have those two layers of of a um, you know peer to peer trade, uh, which we call a nominated trade and then a community trade as well.
0: This is absolutely fascinating. And I think what's remarkable to me, mostly, is that a lot of what you described there uh, for the audience is basically illegal in most of the United States. Um, The idea of moving um, what they call distributed energy resources, or DERs, um, having kind of a prosumer layer, or even like a somewhat aggregated, you know, mom and pop business DER layer, where you might have a you know a farm might put up their own solar panels and maybe want to bid into a local market, um, that is incredibly expensive or illegal or both in most parts of the United States. And so the thing you're describing is actually something I've heard a few people kind of like you know shake their fists at the, at the sky about in the U.S. about these are the kinds of models that would be amazing to have. Emergent um, in that market, and so yeah, you know, I guess uh, is that your kind of experience as you look at other markets around the world? Is Australia like specific, you know, particularly kind of um, you know open relative to other types of energy uh, like trading to sure. to so, that level so of spicularity?
1: Australia has led the way in so much of this distributed energy uh, future, just because of the, the the low cost, but the lowest cost installed solar in the world, rooftop specifically. Um, uh, I, you know, we're down to less than a dollar a watt. I, I think the U.S. is still hovering around $3 a watt. It's, you know, it's uh, in, in, incredibly, um, uh, expensive still. And I, you know, I think there's been some work done to, to reduce those soft costs and applications and things, which have only recently come through in the last few months, few months, which have been led by open solar and others. So, so I think the, um, uh, but because we've had such an aggressive rollout of, of solar, the, we, we've, you know, we've just we've an energy only market, so very different to, to other other markets. Um, so we are progressive in that way, but but ultimately, what's happening if you look at it from a macro point of view, electricity has always been the central central system where big generators like coal generators and gas generators have provided all the energy centrally, and then that's gone distributed out onto the electrical grid. Um, and now those end nodes are now the centre of the universe. The end node has is, is is where the action is. The customer, in fact, can put solar on the roof, a battery on on the on the wall, and and will soon have an, an electric vehicle. And so their influence on the grid is so much more important now than, than than the centralized system. So I think the policy needs to catch up in the U.S. I think the policy needs to reflect that the the homeowner um, uh, will be the center of the universe. And and then and then that distributes out. And how do you how do you attract value and, and allow the homeowner to participate in the ecosystem by by being able to um, uh, you know capture some of the value themselves?
0: Yeah, no, I, I was, that was actually the next thing kind of on my mind to kind of ask you about is you know we we do have this kind of EV future. It's uh, I think every day it seems to be coming faster, and yeah. I also think more and more that um, we're collectively pretty unprepared for how different it, things will be once we get to a plus 30% penetration of EVs in a given neighborhood. Um, it, you know, it, it's there's all these positive effects. It's quieter, you know, it's less pollution, all those kind of things. But uh, the strain on the local grid uh, is something that has a kind of very, very large management problem that, you know, utilities as great as they are and I generally do think they're great tend to move relatively slowly um, and uh, adopt things in, in very careful kind of risk you know obsessed fashion as they should right like the losing of electricity is like a major uh, you know, downer for, for everybody uh, in life and death really so yeah so how, how are you thinking about you know I suppose the role that anOC will play in this kind of rapidly emerging kind of EV market
1: well before we get to an OC, I think again there's another a macro thirty thousand foot view, which we should we should take, and um, which is you know another thing we've been looking at in Australia, which is instead of thinking about a hundred percent renewable grid, let's look at a five hundred percent renewable grid, and and that just that exercise, that mental exercise of, of yeah. to get back to the terabase example of 1%, one percent one cent per kilowatt hour, you know this is a market driven exercise. <laughs> and, if solar is that cheap, it's going to be everywhere. And 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 if we're able to, to um, you know, go blow past 100% and get into 150 and 200 and 300 and certainly in Australia with all the space and great sun hours, we're able to get into, you know, the 500% uh, um, renewable economy. What that unlocks is cheap green steel, um, you know, cheap hydrogen, which we're able to export. Um, and 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 EVs become the the, the the sponge. They become the energy sponge to soak up all that excess in the day, um, and and then and then play a role with vehicle to grid um, in stabilizing the grid in in providing you know um, uh, uh, V to G or V 2 H V to household. And the the vehicle is that that um, instead of a stationary battery on your wall becomes a you know, Saul Griffith says, you know, five or six or ten batteries on wheels, and the car just happens to come with it. Right. So, so I, I, I you know, I think um, that that opportunity is, is So, I'm not as concerned about the grid um, not being able to cope with the volume of energy and the and this flow of energy, which is which is gets back to the earlier point. The, the grid now is two way. It's been a one-way from the centralised sending out across the, 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 the grid network, and now we have a very much a two-way relationship with, with the householder, which is why we need the householder engaged, not necessarily you know, themselves, but, but we need the value to be filtering through to make that EV more affordable, to provide some of that, you know whatever those grid services are that the EV can provide um uh to, to extend that back into the lease or whatever it might be and get the adoption curve accelerated and then we move fossil fuel out of the market that much faster so uh you know that's the my my first take on it this the second so how Power Tracer fits into that is is bringing this value of of uh source time and price means that there's some accounting to to take some of that value and extend it to whoever who's to whoever the participant is um and and what power trace is doing that is on, instead of behind the meter where most of the value is 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 happening at the moment where you do have control we want to bring that onto the in front of the meter and allow allow participants in the network and participants on the grid to to um you know have at, have value attributed to whatever uh, you know role they're playing at any any, any given moment so already Australia's in the five-minute settlement period, um, and uh, and we're able to, you know, that that's that gives batteries a much much better opportunity to compete in the market than the big um, gas turbines, and so that that's the reason for the change in the rule, and that stimulates the battery market. So there are there are there is policy and there's a policy framework and a policy vision. Today um, uh, there'll be a new uh, uh, AEMO, which is our regulator will be publishing a integrated systems plan, the new version which I haven't had a chance to, to read yet it, so it's published today but that will set out again these the goals that we set 12 you know maybe 24 months ago we've blown past them and 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 there's recalibration so so I think um, the regulators will need to be much more dynamic and and uh, you know there's more change in the next 10 years in the electricity sector than the last 100 years combined.
0: Yeah, I, I, that makes absolutely ton of sense. And just to your kind of point on batteries, you know, it was one of the kind of surprising things i learned relatively recently is that, you know, a battery as storage for stabilizing the grid is just far better than existing peaker plants like coal and gas. Because a battery, if you turn it on, it immediately generates Gives you power within you know a second, whereas coal and and oil, you still have to you know heat up a furnace. You still have to kind of go through this process. And so yes, moving to this kind of five minute, um, dynamic uh, you know t- timing gives a huge advantage to something that can be as nimble as a battery, right? And then the other power of the battery is that it can move across lots of different types of electricity markets and stabilize the grid all the way through and services and everything in between um, in a way that most other um, types of energy cannot do so because they just lack that flexibility.
1: That's right. The batteries right. have the ability to attract eight value tree, uh, eight value streams. Um, and so when you unlock A single resource that's able to capture eight value streams, then you know it's creating a much healthier grid, a much more stable grid. Um, And and there's certainly challenges to come. We've we've got you know batteries operate great, fantastically within the millisecond, and over two and three hours, we need long duration storage solutions. And this is the reason why Google have got behind this 24 seven carbon free energy idea, is that the hard parts, those top you know, eighty and ninety percentiles is where the work needs now, and that's that. then you know, We need to find a way of conquering those single percentages over this next decade. So uh, Google will be twenty-four-seven carbon-free by twenty thirty in all their their data centers around the world and all their their operations. Um, and so that's a tough call. I mean, that that means in in Singapore where there isn't much solar penetration. The renewable energy solutions that need, need to be found and and supported, and so that innovation, most of the innovation exists today, and we can we can uh, invest in it and grow it and, and blow past 100% renewable, as I said. But there will be new innovation that that, that uh, certainly about battery storage and others that that'll come to the market. But, but the stimulus is needed. But, you know, we need to create the market, and and what the market then you know if, if, there's, if there's sufficient market behind it. That unlocks an enormous amount of value.
0: Yeah. You know, you talked about Australia I'm from Ireland originally, and the uh, the energy mix in Ireland is going to be very different, right? It's going to be onshore and mostly offshore wind, and there's a large investment in hydrogen happening today to kind of solve for, you know, the long-duration storage piece Um these are, you know, the hydrogen piece in particular is like a you know, nascent market. We'll, we'll see how it scales up, um, but you know, there's already billions of dollars from the Irish government going into this, as we're seeing uh, in projects across the world. Um, so yeah, it, to your point, the last hundred years, uh, you know, that's, uh, everyone I talk to, it's like get into clean energy. Uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunities and exciting things across, you know, the climate solution space. But if you want to kind of get to massive scale quickly, like energy and the related aspects of energy, is where it's at.
1: Yes. I mean, the the other interesting thing is that certainly Australia, we've we've got a huge penetration of of renewables. um, uh, You know, I think solar is around, you know, nearly 30 percent or whatever it is. It's massive. But globally, um, solar is only one percent of the energy mix. You know, we need to be in the 70 percentile in the next 20, 25 years. So if you map that out, it is just an incredible amount of, of clean energy that's that's coming in an industry that that will continue to, to, to grow and prosper and bring lots lots of jobs, lots of innovation. And, um, you know, I think I think uh, electricity sector has been very dormant and, and boring for a long time, but I think it's going to be uh, the next 10 years are going to be a wild ride.
0: Absolutely, and you know the next ten years—they um, were definitely on top of mind at, for the people at COP26, as you mentioned. You were there. You know, what surprised you most about your time there?
1: So, uh, the you know the biggest takeout from COP26 is that—and this is not being publicized in the media, to my mind—is that it's no longer cool to have fossil fuel subsidies, um, and that's a big yeah. deal. You know, the mm. fossil fuel subsidies and governments that have just, you know, randomly, o- ongoingly support year in, year out subsidised fossil fuels, I think will be more and more tough politically. Um, so that's the first observation. The the, the the second observation is that although it was, you know, the um, some of the, the, the ambitions weren't achieved that we set out to achieve at, at, at COP, uh, not me, but the, the broader COP ambitions, um, The we're able to get uh, well. uh, Next year will be another opportunity to to come back to the negotiation table rather than wait in five years, and I think that's an achievement. Um, So the urgency is is uh, has dawned, although you know Mm. not much progress was made this time. The the urgency has meant that that um, COP twenty seven in in Egypt next year. Will be, I think, another big um, uh, opportunity to 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 move things forward. So, yeah, progress incremental. But those are two. But those are my two takeouts.
0: Yeah, I guess my view is pretty similar. You know, I think that in any sort of such like setup like that, if you get sixty percent of what you want going in, like you're doing pretty well 51% is probably more typical uh, at best and so you know there's obviously a huge amount of disappointment from large parts of you know society in general uh, the climate community in in particular um you know small island nations around the world obviously you know are are feeling this most harshly but uh the you know we went from like decade-long conversations to like year-long actions and um and I think the levers that we're seeing right on the consumer level the kind of company slash innovation level, and now more and more on the governmental level to kind of, you know, accelerate what's happening on the innovation side, uh, yeah, I think it's absolutely fascinating. And, you know, there's a few big bills happening, uh, some have passed, some are about to pass across Europe, um, I believe Australia, some, as, as well as the United States, and yeah, and so we're starting to see real dollars going into this space as well.
1: Yeah, and, and I think, <coughs> I think the, 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 you know, that's exactly what um, the opportunity really is, is we've We've got um, a 10-year window, and we can embrace that opportunity uh, because we're running out of time. I mean, the, the it's no fun to live in a world that's gone up three degrees Celsius. Uh, you know, the, climate, the, the impact on the climate, we're seeing it already. Um, everyone's aware of it. Uh, the, the exciting thing about the electricity sector is we can play a big role. We can play, if you look at it, um from electricity directly and then how that flows through we can we play a role of around 70 percent of emissions um when extended through to transport and so the electricity sector is by its nature then an exciting sector to join because the contribution we can make is enormous Um, and and we've got we've got to roll out and replace a huge amount of fossil fuel in the next 10 years um uh, and beyond and and do that effectively by creating, you know, a the price signals to the market, to to get access to those cheaper prices that clean energy brings, and uh, and a sense of of being of everyone being able to participate, and that's why you know one of the things that I'm particularly excited by um, an OCM power tracer is we're able to enable just a, a regular household to be on a path towards true zero, and to to get on board and and then ma- measure and manage their own performance. Against resources that are out there in the, in the market and then with it vote with their dollars to say, you know, I want to say to the retailers, to say to, to, to generators, the signal is we want more of this and we're prepared to pay for it. And, and so if we can bring that radical transparency uh, across the grid, um, we, we hope that that will have a positive impact and, and, and accelerate the adoption.
0: You know, the level of opaqueness across the global economy, um, you know, some of it accidental, a lot of it uh, planned, um, is really what I think the common thesis of many, many companies trying to either decarbonize the grid or decarbonize other industries. It's like really trying to shine a light on these different incentive structures and so on. And what I think is fascinating about what you're doing at an OC is that the uh, the business itself, uh, like the more transparency like your business model is tied basically to a transparency that also decarbonizes. And I think that is, I guess, a sign of like a like a climate company that's properly tackling climate. There's a lot of climate companies that like may, might do the measurement piece, but like that doesn't necessarily like drive change uh, in the same way. And so, yeah, that, I'm quite fascinated by kind of that approach. Um, one thing, you know, as I kind of looking into your background and so on, I started listening to some of uh, your podcasts. So I believe you uh, have a podcast called Spark Club. Uh, yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit about uh, what kind of was the genesis of that project?
1: So I I, um, uh, I was a startup founder in in um, uh, here based in Sydney and really felt a longing for a community. So if you can't find one, they say just build it yourself. And and in, so in two thousand and sixteen, I I set up Spark Club, which and the, and the premise behind it is that we've got this incredible opportunity here in Australia. We've got great universities. We've got great abundance of clean energy and and, and in aspects of, of the, the, this distributed energy transition Australia leads the world and so the idea was to to create um, a forum Spark club for people to come together and, 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 and learn from each other so I interview um, founders and, and, and elders and and, and then um, particularly you know depending on the policy we, we do a policy piece as well. We did one on blockchain, one on, on big battery storage and five-minute settlement. And, and so, uh, you know, the idea is to, to share this knowledge and experience with the, with the broader community here and replicate the success of, of Silicon Valley um, in, in the, what they were able to do in the early days. Um, was was communicate and share as a community and learn and accelerate by by taking tech that was developed in universities and bringing that those successfully out into into the broader market, and um, so yeah, that's been I've been doing this uh, since 2016 and and it's been fantastic opportunity to 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 learn and share ideas across the the clean energy um, entrepreneurial space. So uh, yeah, it's been a good journey.
0: Super cool. Yeah. You know, I think you're, you're kind of slightly smiling because that's similar to obviously what we're trying to do on, the, on this podcast as well. And I think the trying to recreate the kind of innovation of Silicon Valley around the world, um, I think this is like a fascinating story and some places do it better and worse. I think having a very much a kind of story driven approach can help a lot because to me, like the core value or the core reason that Silicon Valley is what it is today is that basically um, failure is not really punished. Like risk is very, very rewarded in general. Um, You know, you can go and like tell somebody, like, you lost $15 million last week and they won't blink an eye. Whereas, you know, you're castigated in pretty much everywhere else in the world. Um, Now, if you just, if everybody was just losing all that money, obviously, like, they would never gotten to it. But because it encourages that level of kind of risk taking around specific types of business, you know, it's had success. And I think hearing stories of success. And all the failures that led up to that success, because everybody has like 20 failure stories before they got to success, I think yeah. that encourages like the next kind of generation of entrepreneurs to like take the chance.
1: And, and this is the premise that we have at Spark Club, um, is that we can no longer afford, given the climate emergency, to have a one in 10 um, ratio. So the Silicon Valley ratio is, you know, you have one um, unicorn or one success and, and, and there's nine failures. And, and our premise is that we need to change that ratio if we're going to be successful to 30 to 1. And We, we need to blow up some money. Um, and and right. in blowing up some money, we can indeed, uh, from an innovation point of view, bring some, some new ideas, new tech into the market and make those successful. But if we sit in an old paradigm of 10 to 1, we might get there by 2040 or 2050, in which case it's just too late. Mm-hmm. So... You know, let's blow up some, some money now and 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 try and accelerate some of the the um, uh, you know these ideas that are coming out of the universities, ideas coming out of um, uh, entrepreneurs, young and old. And 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 if we can do that successfully, we can certainly in Australia we can do it as Silicon Valley did, export those ideas around the world. So the Silicon Valley has done very well and handsomely from the success of of what I, you know, um, we we call, uh, you know, I think that that's tech 2.0. We're now in 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 the third stage of tech, which is is how do we leverage the internet against um, the internet of things against the real world bricks and water. and that's the electricity sector, and and that holds the, the, the largest opportunity. So um, yeah, very very much um, in favor of, of of a 30 to one ratio. <laughs> Uh, how VCs feel about it is 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 different, but I think there's lots of money out there. It's just about framing those risks. I'm interviewing some fantastic entrepreneurs to come, who have I think the um, the potential to build billion dollar billion dollar businesses. And that's the first time I've seen it since doing doing this in 2016. It's the mm-hmm. first time I've seen okay, here are the unicorns coming, and um, mm-hmm. uh, and I think they they're, they're going to come thick and fast in the next uh, 24 months.
0: Very exciting, um, Grant. This has been brilliant. I've really enjoyed the conversation. And before we finish up, is there anything I should have asked you about but did not?
1: No, I, I think we, I think we did um, cover the, the ground that I really wanted to share. I, the one little tip that I'll, I'll share is that we were um, on an OC. We've been um, going through years, but but recently we've uh, had a successful recruit um, in in David Lett, which has joined us, who who is was um, out of Voltus. and. And that's what really got us excited because having this tech depth will allow us to really accelerate what we're doing. Um, and OC is has just raised a, a round and will be going out next year um, in two thousand twenty-two for a Series A in late late two thousand twenty-two to allow us to go to go global. So just uh, wanted to share that on uh, specifically on, on an OC which is which. Uh, so thank you.
0: Absolutely. and uh, people can check out an OC sign up uh, check out the careers page potentially you know uh, try to try to get hired and kind of go from there. Uh, thank you very much Grant.
1: Thanks very much very much appreciate it
0: Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. I cannot express how appreciated it is and we'll be back next week with another
1: episode.